In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello, and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is a special Broads and Books bonus episode. Today, on the Broads Talk Books with, we've got Anne Napolitano. She wrote Dear Edward, which I recommended in episode 60 about heartbreak. And it broke your heart, didn't it? Yeah. I needed a good cry <laughs> at the time, and it delivered. You got it. You it got delivered. It. Mm-hmm. We got Anne on Zoom and talked about her reading styles, her goals with writing, touching fan emails, and who makes her tongue-tied. You'll find all the books she talks about in the show notes. And now, here's our interview with Anne Napolitano. Did you have a favorite book as a kid or a teen that you particularly remember? And why do you think it was one of your favorites? Oh, God. Well, I mean, I read, like, voraciously. Sure. As one would expect (laughs) as a child. Um, I think it was, like, the best reading period of my life. I think, like, until, like, I went to college, probably, or maybe even high school. Like, when then you have other responsibilities. But, like, the reading that you do when you're, like, a straightforward kid and you're bookish is... um, like I didn't even know there were genres, you know, so I read everything and I didn't understand the distinction between young adult and child and grown up. So I read my way down the shelves. Um, But probably, well, like Trixie Belden was my first love, the female detective, girl detective. Um, But probably the book that the first book that sort of, I think like switched on my writer brain in a different way was the golden notebook by doris lessing i read that in high school Mm -hmm. and it was so unusual and so feminist and um it was unlike anything i had ever read and so they're they're the things i think like i also think of reading um 
the short story Cathedral by Raymond Carver in college. And when I read that, I was like, it sort of blew off the top of my head. Like, so it was reading things where you're like, I didn't know that was possible. Mm -hmm. um, the same thing with like Beloved by Toni Morrison, where you're just like, did a human being write this? You know, like the, <laughs> the sort of the capacity required and the imagination and then the execution is like so inspiring and inspired that there are like few books like that where I was just like, oh my God. You know, mm -hmm. like what what is possible, and then like what is possible within me in this. So it, like lit me up in a way that you know fed into me being a writer as opposed to just a very voracious reader. Mm -hmm. I think you could, could be made that Toni Morrison is not quite human, and I she is. I think there are a few people. I don't think Colson Whitehead is is uh, human either, and I mm -hmm. actually know him, so I know he is human. He's married to my. <sighs> <laughs> so like I know he's a married man and I've you know met his children uh oh, he's but, a human no. that's disappointing almost I yeah. don't actually believe it I feel like okay we're in some kind of a suit because he he writes really quickly too and I'm like how do you write like the nickel boys in less than a year like I don't know I don't understand amazing infuriating yeah well you and touched on it a little bit about um, books or writers that made you want to be a writer? Is there any other ones that you remember thinking, this is something that I want to do? There, I was like a huge Henry James dork as well in college. I went very deep into Henry James. Um, there was something about he wrote uh, such internal worlds and I, uh, I already, I knew I was shy and quiet and um, and that the, it was the tiny turns of, of phrase and scene that like really lit me up. And he wrote a, a novel called The Ambassadors where the main struggle of this enormous novel is that this man Strether regrets not having made choices earlier in his life and really not having had a life. And he's now sort of on the cusp of, you know, taking that leap for the first time in, I guess he's probably in his fifties or something. So, that was very inspiring to me. And then when I read Ann Patchett for the first time, and I read her, you know, like as she came out with her novels. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and she's just a little older than me. So, and I remember being like, oh, maybe I could do this. You know, like that she seemed like a human being that was alive at the same time, that was also a woman who, you know, was doing something that I just loved, but felt accessible in some kind of a way from within my own brain as opposed to like Toni Morrison where I was just like there's nowhere for me to start you know? mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm behind in like 14 different ways <laughs> <laughs> so those are the ones that come to mind um, Raymond Carver was a, a really big impact on me too it was sort of the pairing back of language and you know you you go through all these different phases as a reader and um, a, you know an English major and then as a writer where you're imitating and then stripping away and um, all those voices were instrumental for me. Um, a lot, um, John Irving, I just would mm. lie down in front of a truck for him. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, like uh, Owen Meany and um, uh -huh. A Widow for One Year and uh, Garp. Like, I love those books so much. Um, so like those, you know, they, all of them pulled me toward my own work in a mm -hmm. way that was, you know, nourishing. Well, thinking about reading now, um, Aaron and I always like to joke slash lament about the fact that our TBR pile is just 
outrageous and will never be accomplished. Do you have, uh, how many books would you say are on your TBR pile? And do you have a few that you're really excited to get to? Yeah, my TBR pile is always, my husband's always chiding me over the state of my bedside table. Because <laughs> he, <laughs> <just like, laughs> he, he believes strongly that there should be one book there that you're reading right now. And I'm oh. like, you know, it has to be like one fiction, one nonfiction, and then the three books that I keep like picking up and putting back down again. That's as small as I can make it. I'm sorry. Um, actually, the, in the pandemic, I have started using a Kindle for the first time. I never used one. But I've been asked to write blurbs for books, and they, the publishers aren't sending galleys for obvious reasons during COVID to yeah. limit like the factory, you know, work that needs to be done. And so, in order to read these galleys, I needed to read them electronically, which I was really annoyed at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I basically avoided reading them for like two months. <laughs> and, and now until the deadline approached. Until the, well, the, one of the deadlines passed, but I was like, this, oh. this is a you know it's okay. There's like wiggle room. Obviously they're asking you as a favor. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but actually that has gotten me, I now actually really like it. Um, so I've been reading more on the Kindle and that makes me feel, I mean, I still love books obviously, but that, but during this time, for some reason that's allowed me to sort of read exactly given me the freedom to like, because like any book is open to me via the Kindle. And, and I don't have to go through like the ordering it from my bookstore to be delivered and then not sure if like, was that a guilt read or was that like something I felt like I should read? <laughs> um, so I feel like it's actually a streamlined for me, like to, you know, what is actually holding my attention and what, uh, what book do I want to mainline right now? Mm-hmm. Um, I just read Hamnet by um, Maggie O'Farrell. I just added that to my TV oh, file. Yeah. Great. It's so good. Oh my God. Uh, you know about it's about Shakespeare's family and the 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 death of his 11 year old son from plague and the writing is spectacular Shakespeare's wife is like one of the best characters I've ever read Um, well certainly in a long time it's just I just I am mad for it (laughs) I can't can't recommend I read that on my kindle Um, so yeah no my TBR pile with the combination of the strange thing of having to write blurbs which um, I really didn't do very much of until Dear Edward came out and now I'm mm-hmm. sort of being asked a lot more and that's like a weird thing because you, you can't get a sense of a book in the same way you're just like okay and you know it's, a, it's especially if it's an e-galley you really don't know what you're getting into which is kind of fun but it's a very different experience I find for a reading. It would be hard I read on a Kindle too but I could see it would be really difficult for me, I think if I had some kind of expectation with the book to not have that like physical copy and be able to, yeah. I don't know what it is about that, but. I yeah. know, very, I, I just got, I just finished reading this book that's going to come out um, in 2021, I guess, by Kate Hope Day, who wrote a novel called If Then, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. That was her last novel. So her, this new novel that I was asked to blurb um, is called In the Quick, and it was described to me as being um, a take on Jane Eyre set in space. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. And it was great. It was actually really great. Wow. <laughs> but so, like, you get these, like, weird one sentences, and you don't have the context and, like, the book. And, you know, like, you're, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go in. And if I don't like it, I'm not going to blurb it. You know, it's, it's mm. not like a commitment. But, um but I actually ended up really loving it. So yeah, it's a strange, 
um, new way to experience fiction. Well, that might, you might have answered our next question, but if there's any other books that have surprised you recently? Hmm. Um, surprised me. <laughs> I feel like I'm surprised every time I read a book because... <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's I like that answer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I should hope that I'm surprised every time I read a book. I mean, I recently was asked to blurb something and I, I didn't blurb it because I didn't like it. But so, but it's rare. I'm much more prone. I mean, I think this is an age thing, but like I will put a book down much more easily um, than I would have when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And also I really, I mean, I think so much it's like where you are right now, plus the book. So like, you know, if I'm, it's not resonating with me right now and everybody loves it, I'll try again. I actually just started reading um, the uh, Elena Ferrante, Our Brilliant Friend uh, uh -huh. trilogy or whatever that everybody <laughs> has been talking about. Yeah, everyone raves about, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I never had. And so I just started it on the Kindle the other night. Uh, and I'm, I don't know, I, I'm feeling skeptical so far, but <laughs> I mean, obviously it has to be good. People just love this thing. Yes. Um, but I feel like there are some other books. Oh, in the beginning of the pandemic, I couldn't, I couldn't read contemporary fiction. That felt like too weird to me. So I read like Philip Pullman's uh, newer book in the uh, His Dark Materials, um, and that was wonderful. And then I read Hilary Mantel's um, new book in the Crom or final book in the Cromwell series, The Mirror and the Light. Um, because I couldn't like, so I feel like you know, it's so much now is even more like uh, you know heart and intuition driven like what what gives you any sort of like satiation or um, peace or pleasure and it feels it feels extra specific these days like what feeds us yes. and what doesn't maybe mm -hmm. in a way that's instructive for us as we go forward and listening to that part of ourselves better because now I feel like we're also like worn down and freaked out like on the very elemental level that like you're immediately aware of whether this helps or doesn't help in a way yes. that I think when our lives are more padded out um, and quote unquote normal, it's harder to access that, um, that voice. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe we'll be able to carry that forward past these end times. <laughs> That's a good point. Aaron and I have talked about that a lot that a, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were having a hard time getting into reading and just focusing. Um, but also as we've gotten older, um, and, and in the last few weeks and, and months too, just we are ready to cut a book loose if yeah. you know, it's yeah. not appealing to us. But, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's just no reason to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to I mean, this shows we have yeah. limited time. So, yeah. 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 Um, and I swear I'm not saying this just because we're interviewing you, but I told Amy <laughs> that it was your book that got me over the hump of not being able to read. Mm -hmm. I had a really good cry. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready. <laughs> well, that's nice. I'm glad. I'm ready again. Okay. <laughs> I feel badly for people. I don't know. It's sad. So I don't know. I mean, I appreciate that some people are finding it cathartic as opposed to too much on top of what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know you mentioned that you get a lot of books now to blurb. So you, books are coming to you instead mm -hmm. of maybe finding books on your own. But how do you normally find your book recommendations? It's normally recommend. It's like recommendations either from people that I respect, like on Twitter, other writers. Mm -hmm. um, my agent has really similar tastes to me. So actually I recently read um, Ask Again Yes by Mary Beth Keene that came out last year, mm -hmm. which 
my agent had told me like four times that I was going to love and then I mean it had done really well and I just find I read that I guess on Kindle too and I loved it it was wonderful such good storytelling so I I feel like you do pick up like a spidey sense for what books are gonna <laughs> suit you all like as soon yeah. as I heard about Hamnet I am I was just like oh that sounds mm-hmm. so interesting like I just I so I there's like I just my radar is always going and it's like a combination of who recommends it and what it's about that. Um, and some of them I'll put off. Like if, if a book is huge, I don't want to read it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's like a, a professional jealousy thing. I just, it's like a kind of like peer pressure thing where I don't like to do what all the cool kids are doing. <laughs> I'll read it like a year or two years later. I'm not usually first to like the huge book, but I'm looking for like something that sounds interesting and is well recommended. Well, um, in your book, Dear Edward, like we mentioned, um, I definitely ugly cried a few times during it. (laughs) Are there any particular books that inspired you specifically in writing that book? Probably like all of the above that I said, like John Irving and Patchett. It's like the the books with heart. um, Mm -hmm. And it's like the emotional, the actually interesting, well, interesting to me is the people that give one star one star to dear edward there aren't that many but the ones that do um do it because (laughs) they say that nothing happens in the book that's always their complaint (laughs) which i always find really funny because it's about a plane (laughs) yeah there's a specific event (laughs) yeah yeah but they're very they're also right they're right in that if they're looking for like action packed (laughs) like that's just not how i write which is it is a funny juxtaposition with the fact that I wrote about a plane crash. And, and it makes me think that I actually need to write about something like as huge as a plane crash in order to like keep people's attention. Because what, what interests me is like the emotional uh, microfibers of the book and the, in this sense, Edward's path through the book. So the, the books that sort of inspire me are ones that are like richly believable worlds, whether that's Philip Pullman or John Irving, we're like, books where you just love the characters and yeah like my sort of dream would be to write a book like where someone hugs it to their chest um because that's how I feel about the books that I love and the characters that I love in them um Mm -hmm. I really like writing about like kind people um there's like different things like that that certainly are sprinkled through like all the books that I love um but like cold and clinical um sort of no matter how remarkable the prose is never holds my interest like Mm -hmm. it's writers who um come from a place of like human intelligence and heart that that interests me but like structurally or whatever um that was all intuitive and not Mm -hmm. sort of taken from anything that i'm aware of Mm -hmm. like you said the sum of all of the parts yeah probably yeah yeah Yeah. Mm Um, we also like to ask a little um, bit about, you know, your experience as being an author. Um, and I know that uh, you may have had a little bit of curtailed events and things, but do you have a particularly memorable fan interaction after Dear Edward came out or even before? It mm-hmm. is curtailed, but then people write to me every day. It's funny now because of social media, like it's like you used to just now I get emails from like older people and I get uh people write to me on Instagram, like direct message me. I think it's nice for people to do it there for them because it, the people who write me the most sort of moving things do it on Instagram because no one else can see it. Uh-huh. And it, Whereas on Twitter, you can't DM someone unless you they're whatever, you're following each other or something. Um, 
so someone wrote to me on Instagram like this week um, and said that her father had committed suicide when she was seven and that dear Edward had made her realize that it was okay that she was never going to get over it. And that like, that it, that it was okay that she had continued to carry that with her and to carry him with her for her whole life. And that wasn't actually, it didn't mean there was something wrong with her. Um, so it's like, it's, it's emails like that. I just got one today from a 73 year old who said it was such a, some of the emails are so beautifully written. This is very short. And she said that when she was six, her, her sister fell off, her sister who was five, who she was very close to, fell off a swing and died. And I was like, fell off oh a swing and God. died. I know. And she said that she felt like she had been carrying her sister and her sister's warmth with her for her whole life. And she felt like her sister was still with her. And she's 73. And she oh. said, she quoted like this line that Dr. Mike says in the book when they run into, he and Edward run into each other at the shopping center um, toward the end where, you know, he says to him why, I still think about it all the time. I feel like there's something wrong with me for that. And he said, it lives under your skin. Um, it's part of you. And what we've been trying to do is, you know, make you, make it okay for you to live with that. Um, and so she quoted that or whatever. So like, it's those interactions where I'm like, Oh my God. I know it's very, very moving. No, I, I imagine it must be very emotional to get some of these messages yeah. regularly and, and kind of unexpectedly too. Yeah, it's, it's very, I feel very, I feel like blessed is like a terrible word or like a religious word or something, but I feel mm. very like grateful and very um, <laughs> like undeserving in a sense, because I feel like it's, it's, they're writing to dear Edward. I realize I wrote dear Edward, but um, I don't know. It's very very moving and I'm very glad I'm very glad that if for anyone that it provided you know any kind of like healing or whatever that was obviously not something that I had in my mind when I was writing it well in your um becoming a published author was there anyone that you wanted to meet and did <laughs> you mean like another like a writer yes yeah well, because I worked as a personal assistant for the musician Sting for like eight years so I met like a bajillion famous people what <laughs> <laughs> when I was in my <laughs> 20s to early 30s that was what I did to make a living while I was writing my first well the first book I published um oh my gosh and so that's what I thought at first because I've, I've met all the famous people but the writers I don't <laughs> want to meet the writers that I love the most like, I don't, I really don't want like, they're like the last people I would like to meet and actually every time I do um see Colson Whitehead at like an event or whatever because I'm married to his his uh he's married to my agent and we run in similar circles or whatever I always just babble at him because I like I immediately go into like talk really fast because he's so he's like kind of socially awkward and it kicks in my like I need to make him comfortable and of course I'm making him uncomfortable by like sweating and speed talking oh, God. Mm -hmm. um, so no I don't know I mean I <laughs> I can't say that I have. If I had, it would be him, I guess, but um, yeah. out of the writers. But I, I mean, I, I work for a literary magazine and um, in New York City, there's, there's so many writers. Um, and that, I mean, that's wonderful. It's mostly wonderful because I'm not, um, I'm not like in the scene. <laughs> I never wanted to be, it's not my thing. But like, it's nice to go to a reading and see amazing, you know, the, these, our bookstores have 
all the, the you know, I'll get to go see Lauren Groff or, yeah. you know, whoever, whoever, they all come through and you go to this amazing independent bookstore in Brooklyn and I'll know a bunch of people there, like a bunch of writers. Um, mm. But no, that I think, I think writers make each other uncomfortable on the whole physically <laughs> in, in person. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That. Mm-hmm. We're all weirdos. Like we're all super <laughs> introverted. I mean, not all of us. Some of us are. There are a few extroverts scattered among it. That's but, a uh, strange uh, thing, though. Yeah, you don't see that very often. Yeah. Is um, are you close to books or magic at all? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking of actually. So they have they have amazing events. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Emma Straub who uh, owns it. Is, yeah. Is the <laughs> is books are magic, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she is. I was actually thinking of her when I said we're not all introverts because Emma Straub is not an introvert. She, she is like, she's a hardcore extrovert, and she's like the most like a. Uh, uh, she's made of like gumdrops and glitter. Like she, she, what you see is what you get. She just like she radiates this like this aura of like. Glitter, glitter bombs on everyone and she loves on books and loves on writers like she's spectacular um wow yes so yeah gum books are awesome. and, gumdrops and glitter Aaron. we gotta remember that, that. Yeah, yeah that's life goals right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be <laughs> yeah right do you have um like one particular book that you think everyone should read i think everybody should read um trying to remember if I can remember the whole title of it. Uh, Andrew Solomon's uh, Far From the Tree. Um, oh God, I got to look it up. It's, it's absolutely enormous um, and it's nonfiction and I'm Googling it so I don't. He is a wonderful nonfiction writer. Um, he is a gay man and he was raised when it was really frowned upon to be gay and his mother did not want him to be gay. And he, in this book, chapter by chapter, goes and sort of, and, and does an in-depth um, study of people who are suffering from various sort of discriminations. Uh, little people, deaf people, um, I wanna say incarcerated people. Um, each chapter has its own group that he goes, and he goes and spends time with like four different families that are in that area. It wow. is, it, it's a work of like, of radical compassion. It, it stretched my, me inside of myself when I read it, the, the kind of love and empathy that you feel for each of these groups by the time you get to the end of the chapter is really remarkable. And I feel like we all need to be stretched like that. Man, that sounds incredible and helpful reading, especially for this political season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the end of our episodes, we always like to talk about pop culture that we're obsessed with right now, whether that's music, a podcast, TV show, movie. Is there something that you're obsessed with in the pop culture realm? Oh, gosh. Well, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, I'm also really into, my family is really into NBA basketball. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my new novel has basketball in it. Um, so I'm kind of really dorkily in research. Yes. Yeah. I've, I've, I've read a lot of, I've read a bunch of nonfiction books about basketball in the last like two years. Uh, the best one I read is called the breaks of the game by David Halberstam. Who's like a, a Pulitzer prize winning historian. So amazing, amazing book. Um, so yeah, I'm a little obsessed with, everything that's going on in the NBA. And then 
like I love Busy Phillips on Instagram and I just started listening to her new podcast. That would be very poppy and light. Um, I'm kind of really fascinated by the fact that Rachel Hollis, the self-help writer, is getting divorced. Uh, I don't know if you know who that is. <laughs> but I follow her on Instagram and I was just, I was, I'm like, what happened? Because they were outwardly facing very daily basis. We're oh, happily married really? oh. in the honesty, like we tell everything. And then they just abruptly announced they were getting divorced. Like, <laughs> that's really fascinating to me. Um, that's the girl wash your face one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't read her books. Like, <laughs> I haven't either. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also like completely obsessed with uh, Glennon Doyle being married to Abby Wambach. Like, yes. That yes. marriage. I'm like, do I get to marry Abby Wambach? <laughs> I didn't realize this was like on the table as an option. Like <laughs> that you would end your marriage and marry Abby fucking Wambach is right. awesome. Uh, so she fast. They fascinate me too. Um, yeah, that, that would be like as a sort of like strange pop culture <laughs> corners of the internet. I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts. Like uh, that's that's where I'm stretching out. <laughs> wow, wow. I, I'm really intrigued about both of the, uh, the Rachel Hollis situation. I'm going to check that out after yes. this. I did not know that. Yeah. Look on Instagram. They na- they announced it like a month ago and now they're on, now they're in separate houses. It's like, it was a big, uh, big thing. Yeah. And then I had been watching, they have, they have like a, a morning show that they were doing together that they could released as a podcast that I would listen to like a few days a week while I was running or something. And, <laughs> and they were just chatting away in their daily podcast thing as if everything was great. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh. Something major happened there. That was her decision, but I don't know what happened. Mm. Well, those were our questions. But before we um, end this, I want to hear more about working for Sting. Was there (laughs) there any particular celebrity encounter you you remember uh, either fondly or not so fondly? Well, I mean, I really met like all the sort of, I mean, I'm older than you guys, but like all the stars of my day, like from my growing up, like James Taylor, Madonna, Brad Pitt, um, uh, maybe thinking we're not the same age, but we're in our forties. So yeah. All right. I'm, yes, I'm in my forties too. Um, I met all of them. It's like funny when you, a part of the reason I did that job and you can only do that job if you're not a starstruck human being, like you can't ask someone for their autograph when you're working for sting like it's very inappropriate so like whoever walks into the office you're just like hello good morning no matter if it's like you know you just they just blew your mind you have to hide oh, that oh my god um and so that was like part of the, and i have that personality so it works well so it, weirdly it like and i think it ends up being like things that trigger you from your childhood there was they had a house in malibu and i was out there working and um there's like a courtyard outside the office window in this in their house and i looked out the window one day and John McEnroe was talking to Bjorn Borg right outside the window. And I was just like, and I watched the only sport my family watched growing up was tennis. And like Bjorn Borg was like, it was like the biggest thing. I was like, and I had no preparation. No one had sent these two tennis icons are coming over. Like, so there was no warning. And I just, I couldn't even like gather myself together for like 45 minutes. Cause I was like, John McEnroe. It was so random. It's like, it ends up being the random ones where you're just like, yeah. you don't know what to do with yourself. Um, and it, but oh. I, I will say Gwyneth Paltrow was incredibly nice. Really? Yeah. Like so normal and nice. 
which I feel like goes against the yes, yeah, yeah. Totally goes against. Yeah, she was yeah. she was like among like at, off the top of my head the most normal famous person that I met. Wow, that's As her yeah. dad. People. Aaron, you and I would be terrible at that job. So bad. There's no, no yeah. way we could, yeah, do yeah. the, you know, faking it and we don't think it's a major deal thing. Yeah. No. No, it's, I get, I get like excited talking to authors. I get sweaty. So I don't, they, they'd be like, day one, you're terrible. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, you need a weird, like chromosomal, like thing missing in your head, which I had. Uh, where I was like, oh yeah, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But not for Bjorn Borg. That one I was, uh, I was not prepared and it just like it hit me where like my inner ten year old was just like, oh my god, they were on television. Well she's a delight. She- <laughs> Such a delight. So And again, it was so fun to like talk to her and see her where she was sitting and, you know, facial expressions, all that good stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that she has the same suspicions that we do, that Toni Morrison and Colson Whitehead are indeed not human. Yeah. I mean, I've thought it for a while. We both have. And she seems to validate that. Um, I also like how her husband gives her crap for her bedstand because she reads multiple books at a time and he doesn't quite understand that. And I say that relationship has to go. <laughs> <laughs> You're out, buddy. Of course I read multiple books. I like it. I also like that. I thought that was a great answer that she's surprised every time she reads. That's terrific. I know. That's what we're always seeking. And that's really cool that she mm-hmm. finds that. Um, I like that she wants her readers to experience her writing in a way that hugs you know you hug your her book to your chest and I love that idea like you know I think that you and I the books that we've loved that's kind of how we feel absolutely and I with that the idea of the some of the fan emails she gets you know the losses and loves and how beautiful and wonderful that must be that you wrote something that touches them but also how overwhelming that could be to have all of that yes yeah and I can see that because that book is so emotional and then to have people relate to those experiences must Mm -hmm. seem like a gift but also a really heavy gift yeah and it brought you to tears I I got teared up again in the interview well yeah it was the uh woman that was talking about her sister on the swing and the yeah it was carry her with me yeah that was rough that was rough um, and then she worked for Sting, you know, and mentioned it like it was no big deal, of yeah, course. Yeah, what a throwaway yeah. comment. I've never seen someone just be like, oh, yeah, I was an assistant to Sting. It was interesting to dig a little further and see who really made her fan struck. It wouldn't yes. have been who made me yep. fan struck. No. But mm-hmm. also discovered that she has the ability to just be like, it's cool. I don't get, um, you know. Yeah. Like, um, tongue tied or anything around them. And I'm like, well, we would not do well. No. No, we wouldn't. Mm-mm. I basically got tongue tied around her, so I don't. I'm out. I mean, at one point during the interview, you asked a question, and she said, "Ooh, good question." And I looked at you to see how you were responding, and I think I saw a little bit of moment of glee on your face. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it also feels a little, always like a little bit of stolen glory, though, because you really wrote the interview questions, <laughs> so. I don't know if it's really fair to take credit, except for the delivery. The delivery is yeah. all, yeah. because you always put a spin on it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go Own it, Erin. Okay, I'm owning yeah. it. Yeah. I just, Jeez. I like to steal things. <laughs> Unless it's out of the bulk bin at the grocery store. 
And then you're like, now I don't want to steal it. No, then I do want to steal it. Then you do want to steal it. Okay. (laughs) Well, guess what? We will be back uh, next Wednesday. In the meantime, head to our website, broadsandbooks.com, and check out all of our author conversations. We've talked to some killer authors, and there's more coming all the time. Subscribe now, and you'll get them all direct to you. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.